For the ones who know that a little late is always too late, and that the clock doesn't stop just because you're missing a part, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, and our KeepStock inventory management solutions help ensure you have the right stuff in the right place at exactly the right time. Visit Granger.com/keepstock to learn more. Granger for the ones who get it done. Buying a home can feel like navigating uncharted waters. Redfin agents can help. They'll answer your questions with honest advice, so you know exactly what you're getting into. They'll also help you tour as many homes as you want, and show you what it takes to make a winning offer. With a Redfin agent on your side, you can sail straight to your dream home. Local expertise from Redfin. That's real estate done right. Tour subject to property and agent availability. Virginia Office Falls Church, VA. 844-759-7732. Welcome to the Fantasy Golf Degenerates Podcast. What is going on, DGen Nation? Kenny Kim here bringing you another Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast this week for the Shriners Open outside of Las Vegas. As usual, I am here with my partner in crime, Tyler Tambaline. Tyler, how are you doing this week, brother? I'm doing good, Kenny. I got some new podcast gear, man, so I'm excited to test it out. I hope we finally get to the bottom of these audio issues and we're going to be good. I had a little bit of a pop noise in there from our previous podcast hosting unit so we should be all good and i'm excited for this week yesterday was quite an emotional ending to the what was a great event and i'm expecting that again this week as well not not quite as an emotional but just as good of an event yeah champ winning that event yesterday is probably one of the top five golf stories of the year if you didn't hear what happened uh you know cameron champ of course won the event uh it came down to a battle at the end when he was up by five strokes with about 12, 13 holes left to play. The pressure sort of got to him, and Adam Hadwood finished with three straight birdies. But the whole idea of him winning, you know, everyone knows that his, his, his grandfather, Mac Champ, is the one that taught him how to play the game of golf. And, uh, I, you know, and Mac is diagnosed with stage four stomach cancer, which is awful. He's in a hospice care. But the thing I didn't realize was um, Champ didn't find this out until Sunday before the tournament started. I mean, his dad was diagnosed, his grandfather was diagnosed in July, but the family did not tell him until Sunday before the, 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 the Safeway Open started. And so he's going into this event. I mean, usually when something, you know, something bad happens in your life, uh, after a little bit of time to, 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 to go over and mull over what's happened, like a loss of a, a loved one or or something like that, or something like this, where a person is getting sick that you love, you know, you, 
after a bit of time, you can sort of compartmentalize it in the back of your mind when you're doing your job, when you're doing other things. But this was fresh in his mind. This was like, this, he found out the next day he went and practiced at, at Silverado for the Safely Open. I mean, it was still fresh in his mind. And to do what he did, you know, golf is one of those sports. It's probably the only sport where talent is meant the mental aspect of this game is just as important as the physical aspect, if not more. I mean, you see this happen. I mean, like, look at the Ryder Cup. You know, I mean, like, the, the U.S. talent line should win every fucking year, you know, but mentally they just don't have that firepower in their brain to go out there and win and do what they need to do to get these W's in the Ryder Cup, and the Europeans do. And without, you know, the, and the talent level is definitely different there. And like a lot of other sports, you know, a lot of it is more physical. You know, there's still mental aspects of every different sport. But in golf, it's like 50-50. And, and to do what he did and, and play as well as he did with all that going on in his mind, it's really extraordinary stuff. Um, you know, so kudos to Cameron Champ. What a great victory. What did you think of the tournament? It was really good. I was actually sweating quite a bit of football to end it out yesterday. I got to watch a little bit on the weekend and then tuned into the ending yesterday. And obviously Hadwin making his way up the board was a little bit worrisome. You know, wanting everyone's cheering for Champ. You want him to get the win. Uh, excited to see it at the end with him and, you know, sort of the bend down moment on the putter where he knew it was just a three footer away and the, the tears kind of started flowing there. You could tell they were boiling up. So uh, overall, like I said, for a swing season, I think this is great. I think it's going to translate over to this week. I think it's going to carry on. The fields just keep getting better and better. And maybe it is because, you know, Brooks gets paid to bring his brother here or whatever it might be. And that's the only way he, they get him. But uh, I'm excited for this week. Kudos to champ props to him. That was an amazing win. Other than that, you know, it wasn't a, a crazy DFS week for me or anything, but overall, pretty good week uh, in in DFS in general. Yeah, yeah. I sucked ass in everything uh, this <laughs> past week. I'll tell you that right now. My cash game, Cornerstones, went two for four. Uh, it's been an awful run to start. This is my first time this year that I've lost three weeks in a row. Um, and, and I think it's, you know, and I look back at last year's fall, and I struggled in the fall again. So I, I think I have to change my perspective on how I play the fall events because I'm going – you know, in the regular season, you can, you can, you know, make your cash game picks based on name and consistency and, you know, but I mean, the thing is, those aren't the type of golfers that we normally see in the fall. Like, if you look at the, 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 uh, the price points of the golfers on DraftKings, I mean, like, you know, for this week, Sebastian Munoz, Colley Knox, Beerguard, Tom Lewis, you know, those guys are 7,500, 7,400. They're not going to be that price in, in, in the regular season event that with those caliber golfers. They're going to be at a lower price. So you're dealing with uh, the fields that aren't quite as good. And even the fields that are in the, uh, the regular season that are weak, you still get a better idea of how golfers are playing because they've played more you know, prior to whatever event they're, whatever week field event they're playing in the regular season. In the fall, some of these guys haven't played for weeks. Some have played like once in the last, so, so I'm, 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 I have to change my sort of mental attitude when it comes to, um, when it comes to DFS in, in the fall. And I'm definitely going to change it up a little bit this, this week, especially in cash. I think I'm going to go a little bit more uh, top heavy, I'm not going to be too scared to go into the 6K range at least once for one of my picks because I want a lot of these 8K golfers because when you look at these golfers in this range, you know, 8K to and above, I mean, they're leaps and bounds uh, uh, better than anyone else at 7,500. It's only like $500, $600 worse. And so, and the thing is, these guys at the lower 7K levels, 
uh, they're not too far away from the guys in the high 6K talent-wise and consistency-wise in this type of field. So I'm definitely going to change that up uh, because it is a struggle. My, my betting streak didn't continue as well. I lost that. Uh, you know, I had Justin Thomas going in. I, I picked him up live at 22 to 1 uh, after round one. So I was rooting for him uh, and for Telly also. I had as one of my bets. That didn't work out. The only thing that saved me this past week uh, was football. Uh, I bet three games. I bet the Jags plus three. I bet uh, the Giants minus three. And I bet uh, the, the the Saints plus three. And then I, par- I bet 50 bucks on each of those. And I parlayed all three. So that, and that's, the only way, that's the only thing that saved my week. I basically, you know, was up a little bit. But it's still, it was a horrible, horrible week for golf. But for me personally, uh, it was actually a pretty fun week weekend. I, I went and saw Snoop Dogg. Uh, yes. On Friday night, Snoop Dogg and Woo. Uh, it, it was a hell of a show. This is, I almost saw Snoop Dogg earlier uh, in my life when I went to the Masters. Uh, I went to the Masters, went to Augusta in, uh, when Sergio won a few years ago. And Snoop Dogg was like trying to get into golf, I guess. So he came down to Augusta, had a show at Augusta, uh, filmed some, some golf stuff for, I think it was ESPN or CBS or something like that. We tried to get to his show, but it was already sold out. Uh, so, you know, we're at, and the thing is, like, these concerts I had a great time. So I'm going to tell you a little bit of story about what happened to me at this concert uh, this past week. So, uh, you know, I, I'm at the concert. First off, the first mistake I made of the night was I, was, I started drinking um, bullet barrel-aged bourbon. So this barrel-aged bourbon, it's like 125 proof. And it goes down like water. So it's dangerous. So, you know, I already started off, you know, pounding like three or four of those before I got to, I even got to the concert. So I get to the concert, you know, I'm watching Wu-Tang. I'm with a, I'm with a girl uh, that I'm sort of seeing and then her girlfriend and her girlfriend's boyfriend who looks just like Woody Harrelson. So we'll call him Woody Harrelson. And so, um, so, so after the Wu-Tang set, which is great, they had all the guys there, Meth, you know, Ariza, Jizza, you know, all those guys were there. Uh, great little showing. Uh, at these type of events, um, I like to move up a little bit. So uh, after after you know their set was over, the lights came on a little bit, and I told I told the girl I was I'll be right back. And of course, you know, in in the Morgan Freeman narrator voice, he never came back. I never went back <laughs> to see the girl. She was definitely not happy with me. I didn't see her again till the end of the show in the parking lot. So if you ever wondered why a 39 year old guy who uh, owns his own house, has a good job, not ugly, uh, you know, has a good side gig, you know, uh, it's still single. There's your reason right there. Okay. <laughs> There's your reason right there. Well, anyways, so I- I'm starting to move up in the crowd because I like to be close to these type of events. And I've been known to move up and like steal seats, uh, especially for Washington Wizards games. Like if you ever go to a basketball game, uh, after the first quarter, check StubHub or SeatGeek and see what seats haven't been sold very, very close to the, to the floor. And so I usually sneak up there and, and find a way in. So at concerts, it's a little bit easier because no one's sitting. You know, everyone's standing up. It's grouped up. And so I'm moving down, and I'm moving down. The, the set starts, and I'm, like, hopping over chairs. I'm like a ninja out there, like, uh, avoiding security, dodging left and right, getting as close as I possibly can. And so at, at my final destination, I was about six rows back from the stage, okay? So I was close as shit. And so, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm surrounded and I look around and I'm surrounded and everybody is smoking a blunt. Like there's like 45 blunts being smoked. Like it's like, it's like, I don't know, like I was in Amsterdam or something again. It was wild. And so, you know, I sort of stick out like a sore thumb. Like, let's just say I was the only guy 
in that area wearing a Gump's Corner U.S. Open t-shirt and Jack Nicholas golf pants, okay? So I, I sort of stuck out a, a little bit uh, at this event. And so the guy next to me, you know, you know, not, taps me on the shoulder with the blunt in his hand. And so, I, you know, I'm hammered at this point in time, and my brain isn't working as well as it should be. And so I'm thinking, do these guys, is this a test? Are these guys, are they making sure? I, and no one's ever, you know, said that I looked like a cop. But I definitely stuck out. You know what I'm saying? I definitely stuck out. So I was like, is this a test? Are they going to beat my ass if I don't hit this blunt? And so, of course, that really wasn't happening. The guy was just being a nice guy. And I guess felt bad because everyone else was getting high and I wasn't because, you know, I'm not the pothead that I used to be back in my 20s and stuff. But that's not the way I was thinking. I was like, man, I have to hit this or I'm going to get my ass beat. So, you know, I ended up hitting the blunt a couple times, you know, and, and I haven't smoked a blunt in like 15 years. I, I don't smoke weed like that ever, no more. I'm, I'm an older guy. You know, booze is my thing. And so I'm hitting the blunt, I pass it, and then I pass it to the right. And what I realize is, like, everyone's passing the blunts back and forth. So, like, literally, like, I get passed it, like, 12, 15 times. I feel obligated to hit it every time. Great show. I had a great time. Uh, it was so much fun. I was, you know, everything worked out. The guys around me were great. Uh, very, very sharing, sharing stuff. It, it, it was fun. And so I, after the show's over, I make it back to the car. Uh, the girl I'm seeing and her girlfriend were there. And let's just say they were not very happy uh, with me. But the only silver lining was that Woody Harrelson didn't show up. Like, no one knew where he was. Like, he pulled a me, but never came back to the car. So we had to sit there, wait in the car for, like, 30, 35 minutes after the show. People were leaving. The girls were getting heated, like, pissed off. So the guy finally, Woody finally shows up, and he makes some bullshit excuse. He probably didn't. He was hammered like me. We were both drinking that bowl of bourbon. And so we get in the car, and, you know, literally in the front, you can, you, there's, like, anger so much anger we, me and me and the dude sit in the back seats and the two girls in the front and there's so much anger by these two women in the front you could feel it throughout the whole car but i did not give a fuck you want to know why tambo why is that because i was high as shit <laughs> <laughs> i was so fucking stoned i hit that blunt like so many times i haven't smoked that much weed since my 20s all i wanted to do was eat and listen to music there was a bag of chips back there the music was on so i did not care what those girls were thinking of it made the ride home so much easier so shout out to the guys around me at the uh, at the snoop Dogg show for making my ride home a lot better uh than it should have been because it should have been awful so that's oh, my man. snoop Dogg story it was actually a great time uh, did you do anything fun this weekend tambo no, no nothing could top that <laughs> i had a i had a great sunday yesterday everybody else won a hundred thousand on twitter so i didn't post anything but it, it was a really good nfl day could have been a lot better but it, it was decent five figures so i was happy with my day made some coin Kept me, kept me motivated going in. You know, I've had a, a bad run, a little bit of a bad run, start the season, close calls. So it felt good in that sense. And yeah, no, nothing that can top that story. I'm a big Snoop fan. I've been to concerts and seen them three times. None of them that eventful. Uh, and I believe the public is still waiting on the Russian prostitute story. So I can't wait yeah. for that one to come up as well. Okay, the Russian prostitute story, I cannot tell right now because it's too close to the time that it happened. And there were some repercussions uh, with the staff that it occurred to. So I don't want to put people on blast. Uh, it's possible that some of my managers listen to the podcast. So uh, I'm going to save that for later on when we know uh, my friend's job is more secure. <laughs> pending, <laughs> okay. pending, pending. That's a pending.
ending story right there. Uh, but Snoop was great. I mean, he had a two-hour show. And the crazy thing is his grandpa, his grandson had passed away Wednesday. And he still put on a show like that. I mean, that was pretty amazing stuff. But uh, let's get back to golf. We're going a little bit off uh, tangent here. Uh, so let's talk about this, um, the Listener League lineup from last week. The winner was, I'm going to pull it up right now. It's going to be the Mojo King. Oh, I think he's won. This might be his third time winning. Yeah, uh, he's, he's a beast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been up here a bunch. 505.5 points for the Mojo King. Uh, he started off with Justin Thomas, who finished fourth at 18.67% owned. Adam Scott, who had a great start but faded uh, throughout the weekend, uh, finished in 17th, 6.67% owned. Uh, Lanto Griffin, who's just been making cuts consistently, uh, tied for 17th, 14% owned. Siwoo, a Siwoo uh, siding uh, on the Listener League lineup, so you know it's a GPP lineup. Uh, he was 3.33% owned, finished in 49th. Uh, Mark Hubbard, who's been playing decent golf here lately, uh, 1.33% owned, uh, tied for 13th. And Harold Higgs, 2.67% owned, tied for 23rd. What do you think? It's definitely a GPP lineup this week. Oh, right? yeah. He's, he's sharp. It was a very solid lineup. I, I know that we talked about a lot of these guys. I like Scott and JT for sure. One thing I know for certain is Scott faded, but you know who faded before the weekend? The five-figure Hideki. So someone's got to run stats on that and figure it out. I'm guaranteeing you there's no way that can be profitable long-term playing Hideki at five figures. The miscut was just icing on the cake for me. So that was a good fade. Scott was good there. JT, man, he was – it's just the craziest thing with JT. He plays B-golf, B-plus golf, whatever you want to call it. And he it just, wasn't even B-B-plus. He was playing like C-golf. That's what way. I mean. And he just yeah. chills in fourth. And, and it wasn't like the field was super tough, but it was a lot harder than we'd seen this in the past at the Safeway. So whatever. Either way, you know, great lineup overall. The Mojo King's a beast. I'm worried in the three-man because now I've got a couple – I got a few wins, I think, in a row, two or three now, at running the off here to start the season. And I just held you off last week, and we were both three of six. That's how bad we were. And Cash, by the way, was pretty bad, was it not, with three for sixes and four for sixes? Yeah, it was like four for six ended up being the majority. Uh, Cash has definitely been a lot harder yeah. uh, with, with the cut moving to 65. So it's definitely some things that I have to work out here with this uh, cut rule change and everything else and the fall swing. I'm, just, I'm waiting for March and April and May and June, really, because that's, that's my prime time. So I'm just trying to grind it out here and trying to figure out what I need to do uh, to be successful because, I mean, like I said, first three-week loss of the season, uh, of the year for me. So it's not going well. Hopefully this week it turns around a little bit. The only benefit was hitting the winners uh, two of the first three weeks. So uh, there you go. So let's talk about uh, this week. Uh, before we talk about this week, let's go. Let's talk about gupscorner.com. Uh, go to gupscorner.com. Use promo code DGEN10. Get, get yourself 10% off a subscription uh, for a year long, which is 365 days from the time you order, or a month-long subscription. The value is there. It's like uh, under 120 bucks for a year, uh, under 15 bucks for uh, a month. So you know, use that 10% off. You get a little bit of a discount. It's got all the tools that you need. Uh, it's got Gup's rankings, Gup's ownership, Gup's bet, Tambo's article, my article, the, the Slack chat, which is amazing. We had another golfer who was uh, actually at the um, at the tournament again this week, giving out inside information. Actually, it was pretty cool. We have a uh, a member of our who's who's battling uh, some illnesses. Uh, uh, 
on the Slack chat, and he was able to the guy who was at the tournament was able to get like Bryson DeChambeau and like other top notch golfers to give him a shout out on the video. It was really really cool stuff. That Very Slack cool. chat is amazing, and it's almost worth the membership in itself. So use promo code DGEN10, get yourself a membership. It also includes football. And these guys kill it, NFL, DFS, as well, and betting. So get on that promo code DGEN10. All right, so let's get to the course this week. So the tour moves to Vegas uh, for the Shriners Hospital for Children's Open from TPC Summerlin. Uh, this tournament has, gone, has been around since the early 80s and has gone through many different iterations of tournament play. Uh, you know, it used to be like a 90-hole tournament played on like three or four courses. Uh, and many Vegas courses have been used in this event. But TPC Summerlin has hosted an event exclusively since 2008. So when you're doing your research on course history, uh, there's no need to go past no need to go past 2008. Uh, so this tournament has also been known as a place where many golfers get their first win. Uh, 12 of the last 18 winners here were maiden winners, uh, not including Rod Pamplin, who got his first tour win in over a decade uh, three years ago. Uh, now, there are also quite a few golfers with local ties to the course, including, uh, but not just, but including Kevin Na, Ryan Moore, and Scott Piercy. Now, experience in the course is not necessarily needed, as we saw in 2015 with Smiley winning, uh, last year with Cantley winning uh, in his first trip uh, a couple years ago. But it sure doesn't hurt as Na, Moore, and Piercy have two wins and a combined nine top tens since 2009 here. All right, so TPC Summerlin is a 7,225-yard par 71 with four par threes and three par fives. The course plays significantly shorter than its actual length because it's, all, it's nearly 3,000 feet above sea level. At this high of an altitude, golf balls, golf balls can travel as much or more than 10% longer than normal. Uh, two of the three par fives are reachable and too easily by, the, by almost everyone in the field. And even though the par 5 13th hole will play over 600 yards, many golfers will still be able to reach a tube because of the extra length they will have due to the altitude. Now off the tee, golfers will see fairly wide tree-lined fairways that tighten up a bit after the 300-yard marker with a few fairway bunkers and light rough. They have grown the rough here for this tournament the last few years, uh, but it's not going to be too big of a problem for golfers this week. Now, looking at 2016 and 2018, uh, 2017 was an aberration due to, you know, extremely windy conditions. Uh, less than 55% of fairways were hit, and the green and regulation percentage average was still near 70%. Now, length off the tee is usually always an edge, but looking at the contenders here over the years, a lot of shorter, fitter, uh, shorter hitters have fared well. The fairways play firm due to the arid weather, which will once again make the course play even shorter because of the massive rollout on drives. The trees are spaced out and not bunched together, so missing the fairways won't be as penal as it is on many courses. And if golfers miss wildly on their drives, they might have to deal with rocky native areas and desert vegetation. But for the most part, it's pretty wide open off the key. Now, golfers can definitely still go low if they miss the fairways, but the last six winners were all inside the top 20 in fairways hit for the week of their win. So, you know, hitting fairways, hitting fairways, you know, makes birdies more in play. Even though you definitely can still make birdie from the rough here, you know, the odds are better that you're going to make more birdies from, from the fairway, of course. It's just the way it is. And because you need 25, 28, 30 birdies here to win, uh, you know, driving accuracy might not be the worst thing to look at uh, this week. Now, on approach shots, golfers, uh, golfers 
On approach, let's golfers will see large bent grass greens that look fairly flat, save for a few holes that have a lot of slope and undulation. Even though the greens look flat, they are going to be sneaky with how much break they will have on putts. With the course being built on the downward slope of a valley, uh, many putts will break more than they look like they will. Uh, some local players say all putts break towards the Vegas Strip, which is, in the view, which is in view from the course because the Strip is in the lowest part of the valley. Now, if golfers miss the green, they will have to deal with over 50 greenside bunkers spread throughout the course and three-inch high Bermuda rough. The greens are average in speed with a stint meter rating of around 11.5. The last four holes will probably decide the tournament due to the risk-reward nature of these, of these holes. 15 is a drivable par 4. 16 is a reachable par 5. 17 is a par 3 with water in play. And 18 is a tough par 4. Expect fireworks on these last few holes on Sunday as the leaders duke it out for their win. All right, so, Tamba, what are you looking for this week? A lot of what you talked about. I mean, you know, the, the quotes that are out there basically say it's a second-shot golf course. You know, everyone thinks the same way. Uh, some of the guys that have that length, like you said, they like to bomb it out there and just have their wedge in, so sort of a wedge game look a little bit of the 125 to 150 range, especially because it's got a little bit of elevation there as well. So uh, some of the, the shot charts show 150 to 175. But if, the, you know, a little bit of wind, a little bit more elevation, like we talked about, you, you can have them more in the 125 to 150 uh, when you look at the overall grand scheme of things. And then a little bit of par five scoring and kind of a, a tiebreaker besides the scoring stats of birdies are better and, and DK points. Uh, the other stat I'm looking at is scrambling. Like you said, we don't know. It's not going to be, it doesn't look like it's going to be horrendous winds or anything crazy in that sense. But when you got the wind involved or you've got it in that rough that's not as penal and then you got to get it out of there, you can have it off the green quite often. So around the green scrambling type stats as well, just to round it out. All right, this sounds good. Let's go to these tiers here. Let's start in this 10K range. Uh, we got Adam Scott all the way to Mr. Kepka. Who are you going with this week, my friend? I like, uh, I like this range. Now, I'm only going to play three guys. I'm doing the Kenny Kim approach here, but I only know two of them so far. So the, the first two will start at the bottom. I'm sticking with Adam Scott. I like him at just 10K. I know he faded off, but if you pull all of his stats, the guy's been incredible over his last 36 rounds, right? He's second overall, third in birdies or better, first in DK scoring in the last 36 rounds as well. He is a first-timer here, but obviously even last week with fading away was a 17th. I talked about it last week where he had – something like six top eights out of his previous 10. So he's coming in pretty hot. I'll stick with him. I also like Webb, uh, a great scrambler, who if that becomes, you know, a factor, but at 10-2, I'd always rather play Webb at 10-2 than I would Hideki. So we'll get to him. But I, I like Webb's stats. I like it. He's good in birdies are better. He's second in DK scoring. Uh, first in putting. Someone posted the stats today on Twitter of his improvements in putting. I think it might have been Rick Rungood, Rick Gaiman there, posting, you know, the last three years. And it's a comment that you made all last season that you and I talked about. And it's true. The numbers are factually better. Every year over year, he's just been getting better and better. You know, they joked about how he snapped the long putter and just said, I'm done with this thing. If the ruling says I can't use it anymore, that's fine. Adapt and change. He's done that. At 10-2, love that guy. He can scramble around those greens. Not as high on Bryson. The thing about Brooks and Cantlay, and that's why I left them for last year, I think Cantlay is going to be quite a bit more popular. <sighs> <sighs> The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. 
just because the last two years, second and then the win, obviously Brooks has sort of the same history, but from multiple years ago. And then the whole conversation of does Brooks really play at these side events or why is he here? Or is he here because they paid him to be? And so that he said, fine, I'll do it, but you got to pay me and get chased in the door because his brother's here as well. I don't know about all that stuff. Obviously we never know if that's factual, but I could easily see that. But the thing about this is it almost feels like, like I like Cantlay more, but, and the thing is, it'll feel, what I'm trying to say is it feels like one of those situations where everyone's going to like Cantlay. They're going to say, okay, well, if Brooks is going to be only eight to 10% owned. I got to take Brooks for GPPs. And then what happens is Brooks ends up at 12 and Cantley ends up at 15 instead of 20 and eight, like people thought. So I will wait a little bit longer on that to Wednesday, but my lean is with Cantley. I always like Cantley over a super expensive Brooks Kepka. Who do you like up at the top, Kenny? And what do you think of that as far as those top two guys are concerned? Yeah, I do like Adam Scott, just like you. Uh, the thing is, like, he had one of his worst off-the-tee performances of his career last week and still finished 17th. Uh, I don't think we'll see that again. I guess some uh, somebody – I didn't read the article, but somebody somebody on tour told him that maybe a change with his driver would be well, and, and it did not pan out good. I think he lost over five strokes uh, off the tee last week, which is pretty horrible for a guy who's known as, like, the tee to green god. You know, so you know, I think if he gets that back on track, that he, you know, he can contend uh, here this week. And then, like you, I'm not sure I'm going to play one of the three top guys, Kepka, Cantley, and Bryce. And I'm leaning Cantley again. Just you look at what he did two years ago when he won. This course was windy, blustery. It was tough. It was dry. Minus nine, one, and then last year when it was a birdie barrage, once again he finished second, where the winning score was you know like 20, 21 under. Uh, so no matter how the course is played, Cantley has fared well uh, here uh, at, at TPC Sumlin. So I'm leaning him, but I think the ownership does have something to do with it. So right now it's Scott and Cantley, but that Cantley pick could change uh, between Bryson or Brooks uh, up there on top. So let's move it down to this 9K range. I'm going to start off with my first cash game, Cornerstone. It's going to be Colin Markawa at $9,500. Uh, if you follow at Sundog Monkey, Martin, Really nice guy. Met it down the player. Sharp guy. He was talking about how a lot of people have uh, fared, who have fared well at the Barracuda, which is in Reno. It's it's another uh, Nevada course, uh, and uh, have have done well here. So if you look, uh, uh, Jonathan Bird, Kevin Na, Martin Laird, uh, Ben Martin, Rob Pamp, Rod Pampling, they all had great finishes at the Barracuda before their win here. And so Kawa won the Barracuda. Uh, so. You know, he performed well. Uh, he's been playing exceptional golf. His iron game is great. Uh, he, he was rusty last week, still finished top 10. So I'm definitely going Morikawa as my first cash game cornerstone pick. For GPPs, I want to play Tony Fien now. Uh, he's been playing pretty good golf over the pond. Now, the, the seven-hour difference from, you know, England to, to Nevada, a little bit worrisome. For me, I don't know how much of a factor people are going to take into that, but at $9,800, I think I'm going to take that risk for Finau, who's, you know, a birdie machine, and this is a birdie course. Uh, I also do like Gary Woodland, uh, who has some good form here. Uh, his coach, Claude Harmon, is based out of this course, uh, so I'm guessing that they practice here a good amount uh, whenever Woodland is in town. Uh, he might have a little bit of the insight there, and it shows with his good finishes here in the last three years. Uh, and then I like Snedeker, uh, who's uh, putting, uh, of course, is always his main deal. But he did pretty well lately uh, with his approach game, you know, gaining strokes with his approaches 
in six out of his last eight events. And with a 17th place finish last week and a couple of top tens at the playoffs, the form is pretty good. And I don't know how high his ownership is going to be. So that's going to be another uh, GPP play I do like with Seneca. Who do you like in this range? I like Hadwin down low. So I'm going back to him just because last week, uh, the second was obvious, but uh, he was best in the field. The, the best the best golfer on approach that ran four rounds. Kyle Stanley was a little bit better, but obviously didn't make the cut, but he couldn't make a putt. Talk about him later, but I, I still like Hadwin. I like him on these types of courses. I, I think he can contend. He can scramble. He can putt. He can do all those things. And, and I think his price is still pretty fair at 9,100. Uh, going up to the very top, I've got actually, you just talked about him, but my first T3PO is thinking that most people are going to go back to Matsuyama just because now he's dropped below the 10K. And, you know, I don't, I think it's almost the same as five figures, 9,700. It's still up there. What I do like about Fino that you didn't mention is not only his recent form, so it doesn't, it's not recent, recent. It was, you know, the playoffs and whatnot, but, and, and just overseas. But uh, he, was, he was solid in that sense. He's five for five made cuts here, all five of the last five years. And if most people don't probably know the story or even remember this, but I'm sure you do, Fino used to make his money in Vegas gambling with guys that are older than him. And that's sort of how he was getting his scraps and, and making his money on the side. So, you know, he's always feeling good when he comes home to Vegas. So I, I like Tony Finau quite a bit, especially in a scoring event like this. I, I mean, I could see playing both of them together, but if I have to pick one, I'm taking Finau over Matsuyama at a decent clip. And then you talked about Morikawa. Won't go into that again. You know, not just the Reno stuff, but just the guy's approach and how good he is, you know, putting it to five feet every time. It feels like that's sort of what everybody in the quotes talk about with this course. Just have a good wedge game, have a good approach game, pop it in close, and then make your putts. Like you said, if you're going to need 25 to 30 birdies, he's the guy. Uh, and then one more guy in this range, the darling, got his win finally a couple weeks ago there in, in Joaquin Neiman. Still liking him. He's right there with Morikawa. I was thinking of a pivot in that range, but uh, I can't do it. So uh, I'm going to go with Morikawa, Neiman, Matsuyama, and Hadwin. Kenny? All right. So in this 8K range, I do like this 8K range a bunch, especially the top. I'll do my two cash game cornerstones first. It's going to be um, – first one's going to be Scotty Scheffler. Uh, I think he's going – I said earlier in the year that I think he's going to win a fall event. I, I still think he is. His price has gone down from what he has been. He's been playing good golf. Iron game's good. Tee to green game, solid. Really good on the uh, par fours from 400 to 450 yards. Uh, and that's where I think six of the 11 par fours are going to be in this range. So I do like uh, Scheffler as, as my second cash game cornerstone pick. My third cash game cornerstone pick is going to be Ches Reedy uh, at $8,700. Uh, again, he's actually first in fairways game um, here. Uh, first in the last 50 rounds. First in 150 to 175, which you talked about as a range to look at for proximity. Seventh in strokes gain par four. Top 10 in birdies are better. Top 10 in DK points all in the last 50 rounds. And, of course, he's eighth in approach. So, I mean, the bunch of fairways and the amount of uh, solid iron play with the, uh, the high birdie rate, I think he just makes for a perfect cash game cornerstone uh, play this week. Now, I, I, I debated between Fratelli and Scheffler uh, for my cash, and I think uh, Fratelli is definitely still cash viable, but I'm going to use him in GPPs. And who knows? I might pay up for him in cash. And like I said, go down uh, to like 6,600, 6,500 to Brian Stewart or something down there in the lower range of playing well, who's cheap so I can afford Fratelli, who looks like he's on the verge again too with a couple of top sevens playing really good golf, went really low on Sunday uh, this past week. 
So I, you know, I'm a fan of uh, of, of Fratelli in that range, and then a little bit lower. Um, you look at it actually, Fratelli's first and Brady's a better gain in the last 12 rounds uh, in this field. So you know, that's pretty solid work. If you go down a little bit lower, uh, I do love this range. I'm going to play a lot of guys in this range. I do like Jason JT Poston. Uh, had a good first showing uh, in his first event during the fall. Again, really good with his wedges, good par five scoring, tons of birdies. Uh, but I also like Andrew Putnam. This dude hasn't missed a cut in fucking forever. Like, I can't – it's been like at, at probably 10, 11 events since he's missed a cut. He went over to Europe. Uh, you don't even see him and played Wentworth, which is like one of the marquee events, and then a top 25, top 30 there too. Uh, so wherever this guy has been playing, he's been playing exceptionally well. He's been dominating the par fives. Uh, he's been really good with his approach game, and he's been putting well. So I like Putnam as a GPP play down here at 8,100. Who do you like in this range? Quite a few, uh, you know, you know, so I only played a few guys at the top this week and that's cause uh, I'm switching the approach again, not just cause it didn't work out. I just, this is the way that you got to analyze the pricing. You got to make your decisions based off of that. Uh, I like Scheffler who you talked about just that he's the right price. Now. I didn't like him when he was like 9,900 in those fields, even though it worked out. Uh, it just wasn't for me, but at 8,800, I think he's underpriced for telly. You mentioned super hot right now. Reeves still my favorite out of those three. Uh, and then my second T3PO is going to be Kokrak over Howell. Uh, I think people will see a couple things with Hal. Hal just had a great finish. Uh, we know Hal's a West Coast guy. He's like 11 for 16, made cuts here. There, there's a lot going good with Hal. But the thing about Kokrak that I like is, is basically Kokrak's last season was Hal, right? Except it lasted all season. It was what we're used to seeing with Charles Hal, a bunch of great finishes, cash cow, but not winning these events. But before his miscut recently, he's had a ninth, a 19th, a 12th, and a 6th. He's made his last four cuts here. His stats all line up pretty well. So I, I don't mind Kokrak actually in this event. And so I like, I won't play uh, much, if any, of Hal. So I'm actually on Kokrak as my second one. I like Poston, who you mentioned. And then to round it out, another guy who you mentioned for my third T3PO is going to be Putnam over Wolf. I feel like the Wolf man is going to get popular again just because, uh, you know, people haven't got to play him for a little bit. He's cheap, 8,200. He's that other young gun. He already got his win. You know, he's way cheaper than Morikawa, but I, I just don't think it's the same quality i know he's going to be an up-and-comer and we've already seen him get his win he's obviously a star but putnam like you said just never misses cuts we we've already talked about how valuable those cuts are now you know 21st 43rd 12th 24th 32nd the guy is dialed in as far as stats are concerned he's great across the board he's actually way up in the last 36 rounds with approach birdies are better gained dk points putting has even been on and then the par five scoring is all there so Definitely like Putnam to round out this range, Kenny, over Wolf. That's my three total. All right. Why don't you take us to the a 7K range there, Tambo? Yeah. Some, this is sort of where, like you talked about at the top of the show, uh, you know, a little bit about it's about feel, right? This time of year, you still got to take some stands. You just got to go off of some plays, whether it's right, wrong, or indifferent. You can't just, there's not a lot of numbers, not a lot of recent forms, not a lot of stats that are applicable besides, you know, what we can use out of fantasy national golf, which is what we're using, by the way, for all these stats. So, so check it out. But uh, Brian Harmon sitting there at 7,800, uh, coming off a 14th and a third, a 52nd and a sixth. His recent form's decent. He's three for four made cuts here. We know that he can get hot pretty much at any time. I think people are going to tend to like someone like a Scott Piercy there, who I'm not as high on here. So I'll go with Harmon. I like Ryan Moore, sort of for the same reasons. Didn't get it done for us last week, but before that, he was fine. Uh, Kevin Na, you talked about the local ties. Like these prices here, Kevin Na, Grillo, and Varner, like those three are right up my alley. And, and there's even other names there like Bradley and Furick, but I like those ones a lot more. And then I like Sabatini and Wise to round out the bottom just for their scoring upside, potentially 
you know, last year, what were we seeing Sabatini at? 9,500 in fields like this to round out the season because he's just been on fire. I know it hasn't been as great lately, but at 7,500 bucks, these are the types of guys that can make or break your GPP lineups. Just don't get, you know, five of them into the same lineup, but you can mix these guys and match them and go right up the boards. They all work out on the stat forms. They all work out, you know, long-term, but it's just a matter of taking your preference. Those are the guys I like in this range. Kenny, what do you got in the top range of this? Yeah, so my, my final cash game cornerstone, it came down to Wise, Fjurk, and Sabatini. Uh, I went Fjurk. Just because Sabatini, his course history isn't that great here, but I am still going to use him in GPPs. Uh, Aaron Wise, he just doesn't have too many higher finishes that I like, but he's made a whole bunch of cuts. Uh, pretty good course history here too. So Wise and Fjurk are probably going to be my last two choices, and I had to make a choice. And I'm going with Fjurk just because um, – you know, he, he got that – he hasn't been that great coming off a break. And to do what he did and finish 17th last week, it seems like his game is on point. Um, you know, last year I think he finished – he missed the cut in his first event, finished 10th in his next fall event, and finished 6th in the event afterwards. So, like, when he gets here in the fall and starts playing a little bit, he, he sort of picks up steam. Uh, and the courses, of course, aren't very hard and are not usually not very long. Uh, and so I'm going to go with Fjord this week, one of the leaders in fairways gained uh, in this field. Uh, Iron Game, of course, has been good, really good with his wedges. So my four cash game cornerstone picks this week are going to be Colin Morikawa at 9,500, um, Scotty Scheffler at 8,800, Ches Revy at 8,700, and Jim Turk at 7,500. Now this leaves you uh, well over 15,000 to make the rest of your lineups. You can either, even go – into the 9k range again with one of your other two picks if you like if you don't if you don't if you want to go low in the 6k range which i normally would be against but i've been struggling so much that i think that's what the way i'm going to go and i'm going to try and get a lot of these higher end guys who i think can score and have a higher upside and then have a, a punt play which normally hasn't been what my strategy has been for cash so there's still plenty of room uh, and I'm not the biggest fan of, the, of this upper 7K range. I'll probably play a little bit of more and a little bit of Piercy uh, just because, you know, they dominated this course. But I'm not the biggest fan of many of these guys here in this upper 7K range. And then when we get down a little bit lower, I mean, again, like I said, I'm going to use Sabatini here a little bit. I do like Nick Watney, who had a great performance last week. Uh, you know, he fell off a little bit on uh, Sunday, but came back uh, on the back nine and finished strong. And then he has an exceptional course history here. He's been playing this course very, very well. So I'll take him at $7,200. I'll go back to Lanto uh, Griffin, who just, you know, making cut after cut with good iron play, good on par fives, first in bogey avoidance in this field in the last 12 rounds, third in drafting points in the last 12 rounds in this field. So I do like Lanto. Uh, and I'm going back to Kyle Stanley. Uh, this course should fit him if the putter can ever work. He can make some noise. But, again, this is just a GPP punt, punt type play. Uh, who do you like, Campbell? I, I still I like Wise. You mentioned him there against Fierick. My my worry for Fierick is, like you said, making 25 to 30 birdies and keeping up. And even I get it from a cash perspective because you wanted to make the cut. But he's got a great history here, so I can see it. I just I like Wise. Wise has been pretty solid as well. Um, still like in Munoz. I think the guy's been hot. It, it, it didn't really slow down. I know he had a disappointing Sunday, but – if we're talking about a cut maker with upside, you know, I like him. Vegas seems to like him a little bit better than some of the guys in this range. Uh, I'll go back to Streelman, who really burned me last week. I had an amazing five out of six that couldn't get there because of Streelman of all people. And he's nine for nine, made cuts here uh, with some pretty decent finishes. 
And then you talked earlier about going overseas to the Alfred Dunhill. One guy that just got back from there that we were watching a little bit a couple weeks ago uh, was Tom Lewis. He got fifth over at the Alfred Dunhill and he's coming back over. Uh, I know the travel factor, but down at 7,300, I feel like it's priced in a little bit better for a guy that we know has been good. He, you know, he makes cuts. Typically he's had a good year. I can go back to him. No problem whatsoever. And then uh, the only other couple down here, you mentioned Watney. Don't mind him. Johnny Vegas, you know, he sort of faded away, but I think he's got upside. So I'll stick with him. And then to round out the range, I like uh, Sam Ryder again, another guy that hurt me last week, but still always like him when he's cheap, 7,000 bucks. I'll go with him. All right, let's move down to the 6k range. Tam, we'll go ahead. Very little for me down here, man. It's some spottier plays, but uh, you know, you can go back to a couple guys. So one, one of them is going to be uh, Nate Lashley. We, we didn't see him or he missed the cut last time out, but before that he had a T3. So 6,800, always like him a little bit. He, he, he can be a bit of a stat darling, so we can get him rolling. Uh, who else? I like um, Aaron Baddeley, another guy. So really good putter, great scrambler. Around here, he's six for seven made cuts. Last time he played, he got a T10. Just, just this past weekend, he got a T33. So don't mind him. Andrew Landry, uh, another guy way too cheap, I think, 6,600. We were playing him before at much higher prices or, or prices that were up there. I know the field did get stronger, but T23 last time out, he's another guy that pops stats-wise, and especially if it gets windy. You know, we saw him win the Valero Texas Open before in some wind. He can get it done. And then Doc Redman. By the way, uh, you know, the, the fact that there's a golfer named Meth now, someone had it this posted on Twitter, can we get the Meth Redman? Meth and Redman group? I, know, right? I, I definitely <laughs> want to see that. that. That's a great call. Uh, but lonesome Doc. Right, he he's always got the upside. Sixty five hundred. This feels way too cheap. Mark Hubbard, who you talked about earlier, and who the Mojo King had in the listener lineup, he's coming off a t thirteen before his miscut. He was tenth and fourth, so we'd already been talking about him playing some good golf. He's a guy that Vegas likes in this range versus the numbers that are around him. A lot of guys are one hundred and seventy five or more. He's around that one fifty one forty range, depending on where you're looking. Uh, and then the only other guy really is Straka. Uh, at 63, I know the guy can't find a putter for the life of him, but man, his approach and tee to green is always on fire. Uh, last time he played here was three years ago and he had a T7. Maybe that'll spark him a little bit, but 6,300, I'll certainly take some shots in GPPs. Yeah, Hubbard, Doc, and Lashley, I'm a fan of. I'll probably still play a little bit of Robbie Shelton, uh, who hits a lot of fairways, good from 150 to 175, really good on par four scoring. Uh, if you take a peek at par four scoring here, the last uh, few events, I mean, like the winners have averaged something like if you take away smiling, you take away Cantley, like the last four of the five winners, they've, they've shot like something like 10, 11 under uh, average uh, on the par fours for the week. So par four scoring is definitely going to be important, especially in a birdie type fest. You can't rely on all par fives. So uh, I do like Shelton here a little bit. Um, I'll play a little bit. I like Brian Stewart. Uh, the guys, you know, a couple of top 25s playing pretty solid golf. This is not a long course. His course history isn't great here, but he's playing good golf. So I think he's worth a look. Um, also, Brian Gay, again, who played definitely solid golf last week. I mean, if you look, he ended up finishing like, I don't know, like around the 20th position around there, but he was top 10 in DraftKings points uh, in the field. So, you know, he was making a ton of birdies. His, his putter was going on. So I, I do like him as well. And I'll play a little bit of Joel Dahlman. Uh, also at 6,700, uh, the talent's there. You know he's a good golfer. He's come close. Did he win earlier this year? He come in second. I'm trying no, to remember. A bunch of, he had a second, and he had a bunch of first-round yeah, leaders. Yeah, yeah, I know yeah. that. He was like a yeah, first-round yeah. leader king this season, so or, or this past season. 
So I'll throw a little bit of dominant in there. Who else? Do, anybody else you're missing? This yeah, range? I'd be I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that Graham Dillette's back, 6100. Uh, obviously, I haven't seen him since 2017, and he couldn't quite make the last few events. But for him to be back at this event at 6100, got got to get some GDL love in there because man, he's Canadian and he's he was awesome when he was playing, right? He, he always you know had, went through a period of a bit of the yips, but uh, you know known for being a pretty good golfer. Has had some good finishes that you know, had a good finish at the Safeway back in 17 one at the RBC Heritage. I mean, he's been known to get around, so don't mind him. And then the other guy I was going to mention, uh, just queued today. He won't load up into your field till tomorrow, so lots of people probably won't be on him. But John Oda, it, you know, yeah. last week queued again. He's yeah. a UNLV guy. Uh, I think he was T40th last week. Stats look good across the board. Need a little bit more putter. But, man, he should feel very comfortable here. I'm sure he'll drop in at whatever lazy price they want to put him in at, 62, 6,400. Uh, again, when I'm taking all these guys in here, I told you before, I'm taking a much more balanced approach this week. So a lot of the guys I mentioned were 7K and above. But any of these guys are like one-offs that I'll plug into a lineup. So I won't go with like two of these guys down here and try and make some crazy upside lineup. I mean, it can work with the new strategy, quote-unquote, that everyone's talking about. But, again, three-week sample size. I'm not saying that's how you do it just yet. It's not like FanDuel NBA would drop a score or something like that where you can make those decisions. So, uh, yeah, John Oda was really the only other guy there with a little bit of GDL love for O Canada. All right, sounds good. Let's move us to the betting statement, Tampa. Who you got? Uh, I got first one is going to be Finau, 22 to 1. More of a FOMO thing. Like, I just – this could be it, man. Like, if you look, if you really look at the top of the board, it's going to be, you know, Brooks, who may or may not show up. He never does. You got Cantlay, who, yeah, he's got the history here, but what if he doesn't win? Because it's tough to win and get second, you know, and then do it again. And then Deshambo won last year. Simpson never really closed the door here. He's got a good history, but it's a lot of, like, top 10, top 15s. And then Scott's never played it. I, you know, we know Matsuyama doesn't win, so why not be now, right? This could be the one that everyone's going to be scared to miss out on. I feel good about it at 22. Love Morikawa at 25. So I got two guys way up the board, which I normally don't do. And then I got four guys way down it. So one guy who I didn't mention earlier was Emiliano Grillo. Another week of the same thing. Again, he has to find a putter, but he typically has been better on bent. Uh, at 75 with an each way, I don't mind it. These are the type of events I could see him getting it done in, uh, like we talked about last week where he was a previous champion. Tom Lewis, who, had, who I mentioned coming back from the Alfred Dunhill, 100 to 1 with the each way. Doc Redman, 175 with the each way. And I'm going to T20 him as well. Uh, and then we won't take any victory laps for T20s, but that might save my ass. Uh, and then Straka at 225 with an each way. Again, just more of a FOMO thing, but T20 as well for him in case he finally finds something that gets hot. What do you got, Kenny? Yeah, I'm actually going to start with Canley at 11 to 1. Uh, just I know it's a short number, but he impressed me doing what he did in 2017 in horrible conditions and doing what he did again in 2018 in great conditions. Uh, that's just impressive to me to be able to, to be able to be to win and then be close to a win on those two different types of you know weather conditions is in the same course. So and you know the guy's just been a top 10, top 15 machine all year uh, with a couple of victories. So. I do like Cantley at eleven to one. I'm taking Morikawa at twenty-five to one. Uh, Dylan Fratelli at forty to one. So he's I, you know with those two top sevens, he's close. Uh, Scotty Scheffler at eight at fifty to one. Again, uh, another guy who I said is definitely going to win here in the fall. Just like I said, Neiman was going to win soon. So hopefully Scheffler goes in those same type of footsteps. I'm going Andrew Putnam at sixty-six to one, and my sixth and final bet is Nick Watney at one twenty-five to one. All right, Tam, tell them where they can find you, my friend. Yeah, before that, do you think there's any value in pairing up some of these guys like your Cantlay bet with Rom? I think Rom's going at three to one this week in the alternate. 
I, that's what I usually do. It's like the weirdest my... spot to double, though. But I just, I'm just saying the fact that he's like the the far and away favorite in that field. I wonder, and it's one of those ones that you just see where he just dominates and wins by six or seven strokes. So I wonder if there'd be some value to that this week. That's sort of something I'm considering with the guys at the top, like the the Brooks Cantlay with yeah. Rom, and just do a short one. And it is what I it did, is. I did it last week. I did it with JT Fleetwood, JT Finau, JT McIntyre. Uh, and it was close. I think I'm going to probably do the same thing with Cantlay, maybe even Kepka this week. Yeah, I'm, just so you know, I'm going to add that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a Brooks, Cantlay, Rom, and just run it with those two guys. Because at the top, I think that's the win equity, right? That, it's just those two guys. I don't think there's yeah. anybody else. And if Rom does what he's supposed to do, there's a reason he's at that number. Like it's Tiger Woods type number for beating a field. So I'm going to do that and add it just to, you know, make it a little bit bigger. Because I think that could happen here. Uh, other than that, guys, yeah, find me, gupscorner.com. Kenny mentioned at the top, you got the promo code DGEN10. One of the biggest things right now, and Kenny didn't mention it because it, it's not always news to him. Obviously, I'm first in learning that stuff, so I want to pass it along to you guys, is that the tools are actually coming along just fine for golf, and they're going to be free for the fall swing. So if you sign up for the promo with DGEN10, you're going oh, to get the cheap content analysis at 10% off. It's like nothing for monthly. The annual is the way to go because you're just going to be locked in and it's not going to go away. So you, you lock in for the annual. You're going to get the tools to experiment with for the rest of the fall swing. And then it's up to you if you want to add them or not, but you can add the promo code to that at that time if you want to add them. Now, it's not a deep dive per se, like Fantasy National is nothing like that, but it's the equivalent of having something there for if you want to do a little bit less. So I definitely recommend the time to check it out is now. We crushed NFL yesterday. Like I said, I had a pretty huge day. Pretty pumped about that going into this week. Other than that, uh, check me out on Twitter, at Totag and Tambo. Hit me up there. DM me there. It's easiest if you have any questions. Hit me up on there or the Slack at Gups Corner. All right. You can find me, uh, you know, at GupsCorner.com. My article's already posted. Should be good to go. I write a course preview and stats to look for each and every week. You can also find me on Twitter at KendoVT. All right. That's going to be it for this week. Let's win some motherfucking money. DJ Nation. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal.